Hello, I'm Taylor Onion, and this is the Bloom Podcast. I am so excited for today's guest because she is a baller and she's cool. Michelle Bartakley, or Barchi, as she's better known, is a professional volleyball athlete, a member of the USA national team, and prior to the coronavirus outbreak, she was playing for a professional league in Istanbul. Barchi has played and traveled all over the world with her husband, Corbin, who you'll hear in the background of this interview, and you'll also hear their dog, Champ. I'm so excited to share more about Barchi and what she's been up to lately. Enjoy! The Bloom Pod, Michelle Barch. Um, we know each other. We also go way back. I'm making a habit of interviewing people that I've known since at least 2009. Uh, but why don't you just kind of, you know, go through your, your background. Um, obviously, we met, we were teammates at, at Illinois, but um, kind of talk through maybe what you've been doing since then. Yeah, um, since leaving Illinois, I've played professional volleyball for since 2011 pretty much I took one year off and then yeah traveling the world and playing volleyball not a lot else really (laughs) right which is exciting times and uh back to relating back to uh, your time in Illinois you were just named to the 2020 Illinois University of Illinois Athletics Hall of Fame class which is very exciting that news came out uh, last week beginning of this week I don't even know yeah. which I told you that was a secret that I have been keeping since February. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone, everyone knew apparently, but me, and I didn't know until like the day before because they had emailed me, I guess, a few weeks prior and I never got the email. It like went to a different email and Gosh. everyone was like, oh, congratulations. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> That's what when, when uh, yeah. Lee, who oversees the varsity, I, uh, he reached out and he was like, hey, do you have Michelle's contact number? And I was like, first of all, Barchi? Yes, I do. <laughs> but I was like, also, she's somewhere overseas. So I don't really know if you can just like straight up call her or how that works. But good luck to you. <laughs> yeah. Best of luck. That's how everyone contacts me. They text me or call me and they're like, hey, sorry, I don't really know where you are right now and what time it is. But like just trying to get a hold of you. I was like, all right. <laughs> It's like, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego, except it's where in the world is Barchi. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so final season at Illinois was in 2011, which was a pretty stellar year, except for the ending, obviously, for us. Advanced to to the national championship, lost to UCLA in four sets. Um, And since then, well, actually, that... Night, that part of it was not so great, but another part of that night, which was fantastic, I'm going to let you tell uh, <laughs> the, the um, positive spin on that evening, which followed the loss to UCLA. Yeah, again, something that everyone knew but me. <laughs> um, Corbin, my husband, proposed to me that night. So during the whole match of the national championship, he had the ring inside of his pocket and I had one of my best friends in the stand sitting next to him and she was like, he is losing it, like just sweating the whole time. And he always says that we ruined it because we lost. And like, uh, like really wasn't the plan, but I think, I don't know, like that group is such a special group of people and um, we're all doing separate things now, but I think that kind of just like brought us even closer than we already were. Right. I think we've talked a couple of times and I feel like it was maybe Annie that said if that night had gone differently, it might've been a situation where we felt like we could hang our hats on that. But I feel like almost everybody that's in that group has, is like still, you know, we still are are a little bit salty obviously about that experience. And so we're all, you know, trying to prove ourselves in, in different ways. So um, what I remember of that story of the proposal is obviously knowing, and of course, you know, Corbin could say that, that we ruined it by losing because it would have been cool to propose on the court afterwards. But the fact that, that myself and two or three other teammates like army crawled the streets of San Antonio trying to like follow along. I wish that, that, you know, technology would have like 
that would have been a great TikTok video, probably, if, if by now us crawling through and trying not to be seen by the, the you know, whatever you guys, were you in a horse and carriage, I feel like, at one point? No, it was, so it was like, it was late at night, it was like two in the morning, maybe, right, and I was already a little mad because we had lost and Corbin was like, let's go for a horse and carriage ride. And I was like, what? Why? Like, <laughs> it's the middle of the night. And he's like, let's go for a walk. And I was like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> and so like we went out to the street and obviously there's no horse and carriage at that time of night. So we were like walking across the river, like the river walk there in San Antonio. And I think maybe that's why, like, maybe he told you guys, like, we're trying to get a horse and carriage or trying to do something to, like, get her out of the hotel. And you guys just kind of had to, like, try and follow us. Right. I feel like maybe Corbin should do a post on um, what to do when your original plan goes wrong. Like, how to, how to adapt in the moment. <laughs> oh, man. But, okay, so 2011, final season, get engaged. And then in the spring of... 12 you mm -hmm. went to Puerto Rico yep. is that right and yep. what was that experience like playing there um I to be honest hated it um <laughs> <laughs> I I think it was just a really big adjustment from going to university and just everything is being taken care of for you and like you're taken such good care of and then just kind of thrown into the world of professional volleyball where none of that is true and you're kind of just spending for yourself and I was also on like a lower tier team, which traditionally aren't taken like great care of in the volleyball world. And so it was just like one extreme to the other really fast within like, I think two weeks of being done with Illinois, I left. So it was just like a lot like of emotional whiplash and just of like finishing national championship, getting engaged, okay, now, we are gonna go to Puerto Rico and I'm gonna be away from my fiance for how long? And then on top of that, the volleyball being really bad and just, we lost in three months. We lost, I think every match, but three matches, which is like the exact opposite of any experience we had at Illinois. So um, I hated it. So then after that, I was like, I'm done. Like, I don't, I really don't want to do this. And so then I got into coaching a little bit. I had to finish. So technically I was your student assistant coach mm -hmm. your senior year. And then, um, I had to finish my degree anyway. So that was part of finishing my degree. And then I went to UC Irvine with a men's team because I was just over playing volleyball. So that's like really the only break that I took from playing, but I was still very involved which we're talking about from what fall 2012 to spring of 13 yeah. is when you were so fall 2012 you were our student assistant my final season and mm -hmm. then spring of 13 out at UC Irvine with one of our former assistant coaches yes. who I'm trying to get also to be a guest on the podcast so TBD NIF if you hear this yeah. <laughs> I'm calling yeah, you out <laughs> He's got um, nothing to do right now. He has no boys to coach. So. To see, they're just straight Zoom calls all the time with the team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, which, that that team won a national championship, didn't they? Yeah, we did. And right. It, that was also really fun experience. I mean, I took on a lot of responsibility as just a volunteer, but I learned, like, so much in that short amount of three or four months. And I think it really helped me to be a better player really yeah for sure I mean yeah. and that experience too I think you're one of you would have been maybe at the time one of the only if not the only female coaching on the men's yeah. side which yeah. I don't even know how many there are obviously EJ one of our other teammates is out there coaching yeah. on the men's side now but I don't know how many women are in uh men's volleyball yeah not not a lot in division one that's for right. sure a cool experience though to go from being a student athlete playing in a national championship match and then a year and a half later being on the other side of it and on the men's side of it it's like double yeah. other side and yeah. then going on to win the national championship so that that's got to be a cool experience yeah. um and then from there you started playing again and went yeah. to where somewhere in germany right yeah a really small bilsberg in germany and i was I was there for almost two months without a contract. I was just there like on a tryout basis and 
no one really knew who I was and no one wanted me. So I just went as a tryout and finally they're like, all right, we can't really find anyone else. So uh, you're up. <laughs> and I was like, all right, <laughs> I'll take it. So I was there for one season and then I went to Dresden, Germany for two more. Right. Yeah. I think that's something, I feel like that is something that a lot of people don't know when you think about, and just generally about the women's pro, pro circuit, you know, over there for volleyball. When I, I'm from a town of 500 people. So when I went into college, I had never even heard of like from going from 500 people into Illinois, which was like, I think 40,000 students at the time was crazy to me. And then to also get there and find out like, oh, there's pro volleyball overseas. I had no idea. So I think a lot of people don't know that. And, and even if you do know about it, the, um, the kind of idea that people have behind it is that, oh, well, it's like, you know, it's not as popular as some of the pro uh, leagues here in the States, obviously, for, for the NFL and NHL and things like that. But I think overseas, I mean, at some of the places you've been playing, especially in the last couple of years, there's been kind of like crazy followings, right? I mean, the fan bases are, are yeah. good over there. But the, yeah, the yeah. structure of the leagues themselves still not always wonderful. Yeah. It yeah. just kind of depends I mean, on where you go. Yeah, it really depends on where you're at and like where you are in the country. And it depends on a lot of factors. But um, I've been pretty lucky after being in Europe. I really had great experiences throughout but I think that also like I wasn't thrown into like a top team in Italy my first year and just completely drowning like I started literally at the bottom on a tryout basis and I've like taken a step every single year in level in a different country and just really slowly went into it and I think a lot of college players also have the expectation of oh I need to be on this top team right now and it's like okay but you're gonna get on that top team and there's so many girls everywhere all over the world who have more experience than you and you're not gonna get any playing time and therefore like really not gonna get any better and your name isn't gonna be known and I think I was lucky in that aspect of like being able to grow that way yeah that it was truly like a building blocks situation yeah. that's a good yeah. point I hadn't thought yeah. about that I mean, it took a long time, but I finally made it to like a pretty good team. So I'm excited about that. Right, right. Um, what has been, and maybe you can't answer this truthfully, I was going to say, what's been your favorite place or like your favorite, maybe location, your favorite country yeah. that you played in? Yeah, um, I loved Germany. I think Germany for me personally, and because Corbin has been with me, most every season for us and our quality of life and how we like to live our life I think that would be like one place that we could really see ourselves living like we've made um, a lot of friends in Germany and just like the lifestyle that they have of going to the grocery store every day and like there's people always at the parks and they ride their bikes everywhere and it's just like that's something that I could see myself doing eventually when I'm done playing with volleyball I would love to live in Germany like that would be amazing just for a year or two but I mean I think yeah volleyball wise it's not the highest level but it's like enjoyable and um I had a great experience and the fan following is great nice yeah. how about outside of the volleyball what has been your favorite place to travel to oh um I think Japan, I haven't played professionally there, but we do a lot of USA tournaments there. And just like the way that they live is so different and interesting to me. And every place is like spotless clean and just people are so, so polite. You can stop anyone on the street. And if they don't know the answer, if they don't speak English, like they'll like literally physically take you. Like if we're looking for a train, to take us somewhere we can just show them and they'll like walk you to the train station make sure that you get on the train like shuffle you onto the train and then just be like okay five stops and then like they're so nice like you can't find that anywhere else in the world 
Right. I feel like there's a, a common, maybe it's a misperception, but a common perception that if you're an American overseas, that people are just kind of like, Ugh, this is, you know, home of fast food and like classic yeah. Americans. So, yeah. I mean, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. I, uh, I think for the most part, like Americans have, I think it's not the greatest reputation because there are a lot of like rude Americans, but also I feel like that's part of the culture of places where people live in America like you just aren't friendly like you don't go to the grocery store and say hi how are you today and just like have a conversation but in Italy like you'll be stuck at the cash register checking out with your groceries because the person in front of you is having a 10-minute conversation with the with the lady at the cash register and they don't even know each other (laughs) right so it's like it's just it's completely different it's part of the culture like you just don't really talk to anyone that you don't know in America and it's also just because I mean it's so so much bigger too like the sense of community is different of where you are yeah it is I mean and there are so many different pockets of you know what I mean like somebody from New York is going to be completely different from somebody who's from Texas typically you know and so I think the the generalizations that are sometimes made are uh based on one stereotype of American but to your point about the groceries that might be actually something that is happening now more with the coronavirus is people are like the grocery store is the only place you're going the only like form of human contact that people are having right now so it's like oh how how, a person how are you (laughs) how are you right the same like We've lived, like, yeah, we've had this house for three years. We aren't here all the time, but especially not me and Corbin's here a lot more. But, like, I've had neighbors stop and ring the doorbell and, like, talk to me through my door and, like, wave from down the street. I'm like, I don't even know who you are, but everyone is being so friendly now, and it's it's nice. Like, it's, it is, like, a sense of community in your neighborhood, which I don't think that we had before. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um with the with all the coronavirus so so you were in where turkey yeah right right before this happened so and the season on were you on a shorter season or it didn't did you guys make it all the way to the end of yeah so i played the first um a full season in china which was short okay Um, so that was like we finished playoffs and everything beginning of january and then I met a team halfway through in Europe. So, like, they had already played half of their season, and I came end of January to, like, re- I'm technically, like, a reinforcement of the team. Okay. So I, I joined them halfway through and um, played my first match, like, end of January. And then we played regular season play until um, the coronavirus, basically. So we finished regular season play. And so Sunday, we finished our last regular season match. I don't remember the date, like three or four weeks ago. And then Thursday, right before we started playoffs, they announced suspension of the league. So we didn't even, we didn't start playoffs. So we were supposed to have like a month and a half of playoffs. Okay. So so you got back to the States in March, sometime in March? Yeah, I think March 21st, I want to say. Okay. I could look at my calendar. I don't know. (laughs) Similar to how this, as far as things getting shut down over here, I think my last day in the office was the 13th of March and the NCAA shut everything down that right that day before. Yeah, it Um, was really close. So like the day they announced a suspension of our league was the day that Trump announced level four travel advisory. mm. So like, I had told my club, like, I'm staying here as long as, like, they don't announce anything to do with travel because I don't want to be, like, stuck in Istanbul for months and months and months. Right. So um, they announced that, and we were like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then um, ended up, like, six days after we left Istanbul, they completely shut down travel. Like, Istanbul Airport is shut down. Gosh. Yeah, and I have teammates who who are from not or they're from Europe, and um, they have to have like a military plane come and get them from Istanbul. Oh my gosh! <laughs> because all the borders are closed, and that's what that's basically what my club told me was like, well, if you end up getting here, that like if you get stuck here, then 
a military plane can come get you. And I was like, hmm, I'm not sure how comfortable I feel with that situation. Right. Gosh. <laughs> but it was the plan that we were supposed to be training throughout, like, the suspension. And then it got pretty, like, strict in Istanbul. So the day we left on a Saturday, and we were still start practicing again Monday. And like an hour before practice, I was already home in Champagne, but a month, like an hour before, they were like, hey, um, so we can't go to practice, like don't leave your houses. So we haven't, they haven't trained like once since I left. So wow. Yeah. So they're all just, they're doing home workouts in Istanbul and they can't really leave their apartments. So wow. What a time. Yeah. It is a crazy time. It is a crazy time. <laughs> Um, I want to go, I want to revisit a couple of things that we've touched lightly on. One of them is um, USAV and your experience with that. The other thing that I want to talk, and I'm going to let, I'm going to leave it up to you, whichever one you want to talk about first, and then we'll come back to the other. The other thing is the house in Champaign and all of the renovations and technology updates. Uh, I was talking the other day because we visited, we stayed in your house a couple years ago for homecoming at Illinois. And I think you guys, I I actually feel like you might have been in Tokyo. And uh, we got back from the game or wherever we had been. And Corbin came over these speakers in the house and is like, oh, you guys are cold? (laughs) We were like, whose voice is that? And he, wherever you guys were, he's like remotely coming in. Uh, on what you know Alexa or the Google or whatever it was so crazy but you guys I mean you're you're into like HGTV renovated your entire kitchen all that kind of stuff so again I'll leave it up to you if you want to go USAV or if you want to talk about that but (laughs) yeah yeah perfect um yeah I'll start with the house just because um it has been a work in progress and um Corbin actually has expressed a lot of interest and he loves doing it and like construction and handyman things. So I think that's what he wants to do when we're done traveling the world. And he's really good at it. And I don't know how or when he learned all of these things, <laughs> but he knows how to do all of it. Um, he, yeah, we completely tore out our kitchen. Um, we have done a lot of work to the backyard and currently he is, I don't know if you can hear him, but he's like digging underneath in the bathroom right now. <laughs> I heard some, uh, it sounded like someone was knocking. I wasn't sure yeah. what it was. <laughs> yeah. I think he's touching, like testing the uh, sledgehammer that he bought. Oh, so who knows? But um, yeah, so Corbin really, so when I'm playing for USA, I stay in U- I stay in California where we train. And Corbin stays here in Illinois just because it's way easier with housing and it's kind of gives us like a sense of home that he's able to be home and with our dog and renovate and he stays busy with projects and yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a lot of work, but we love doing it and I would love to see like in a few years if when I'm done playing that he could be able to start some sort of construction business or work for construction or something because it's fun to see like his like hobby grow into something that he really loves and enjoys to do like you can just tell when he's working on projects like he's just loving it that's awesome maybe you'll have your own hgtv it it wouldn't be like flip or flop because it would have to have some kind of a volleyball tie-in you know (laughs) yeah yeah it would be it'd be interesting I think Corbin would definitely be better for tv than I would be just I don't like I have a lot of experience of like being in front of the camera but also like playing volleyball in front of the camera is different than like having to like converse with people so right I don't know but um yeah so I think we were in it was like world champs with USA that that was the first USA trip that he came on and another hobby of his is photography so he's since college he's taken pictures of us playing volleyball and it's just been it's fun to have all of those memories and for him to do it and for him to feel and to be included into every team that I've been on just because he is taking pictures that's so that's a good segue into (laughs) your experience with USAV so you've been with the national team for how many years now uh six 
for six years and were an alternate for the 2016 Rio Games. Yes. So what is the vibe right now knowing that the Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics have been postponed to 21? Yeah. That is kind of the the general consensus. (laughs) The vibe. The vibe of my household or the vibe of all the girls? (laughs) All all the above. (laughs) (laughs) I think all of us and every house that we're in right now around the country I think everyone's home but I think everyone kind of was pretty sad about it to begin with and maybe sulked on our couches for a few days and then after that it's like okay like what can we do to like get to work so Corbin has again built me a squat rack in the basement (laughs) so I have a squat rack and like things to work out with which is nice and we're doing Zoom calls, like a, a lot of a lot of Zoom calls. So we have like guest speakers like once or twice a week. And then we're meeting with like different groups of girls on Zoom and with our strength trainer. So we have to zoom into our strength trainer, athletic trainer, and the assistant strength coach. I think it's twice a week now they're trying to change it to once a week because it's just a lot of screen time for those coaches but for us it's like we just log in and we work out so we have like a workout plan and they're able to watch us and critique and coach us um I am indifferent about someone like watching me work out through a video camera like it seems strange but also like it's kind of nice just to have him there and just like if we have any questions and It just, it seems like a lot of work for him too. So I think we're now trying to figure out sort of variations. So like I came in a little bit later just because I was in Istanbul and there's been girls working out for like a month on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's too much for everyone to just be on the screen all the time. So we're trying to figure out a way to like get Peloton able and like get all of us working together on the same workouts on Peloton and like just adding some variation into like, yeah, we have to lift three times a week, but also like what else can we do so we're not losing our minds for the next how many other months it is that we are at home. (laughs) Right. Gosh, that is crazy. Yeah. I think one of the and maybe it's just for people from very small towns like me um one of the perceptions of the national team um of specifically the volleyball team is that you know they're because there aren't professional leagues here in the states that y'all kind of just get together once every four years and and kind of you know get together and go to the olympics and and obviously compete for gold um which is not the case so how many i mean there how, how many make the roster um, for the Olympics, it's yeah. 12. It's 12 for the Olympics. Okay, so 12 for the yeah. Olympics. And then yeah. with the national team, are how many? Every um, four. It, it depends. It depends, like, this summer. So, like, if there's – there could be up to 40, maybe 50 in the gym, just because, like, we'll have – um, tournaments overlapping so we want to send different tournament different teams to different tournaments so like the first two um, seasons that I was on the national team I didn't make like a trigger roster which is like the highest level of tournament that you want to go to so it's like the big ones like world champs world cup um, there's a third one I don't know what it is um, let me text Corbin because he is banging downstairs. Can you can you hear it? Yeah, I can. Oh, it sounds Corbin. like uh, Mr. Heckles, you know, in Friends, yeah. and he thought they were being too loud. Like that's exactly what it sounds like. He's just someone. <laughs> yeah. So um, it just depends on the summer. I think this summer we would have had twenty four, which would have been like half that you're allowed to do, and. Um, I don't, I mean, it's really hard. I think it's not just one summer. Like I spent in 2018 was the first year we had VNL and I had a really good tournament of VNL. I got best outside MVP of that tournament, which is considered like a lower level tournament. And then that summer was like world champs and world champs. I wasn't, I didn't get any playing time whatsoever. 
that's like a top a top tournament so it's like it's really hard and it's probably for me it's going to be now seven summers of trying to go to the olympics and it's not just work in the summer too i mean we're doing constantly things for usa right and everybody plays uh, i mean it's if you haven't come straight out of college which is really not heard of unless you're you know an exceptional athlete pretty much everybody that's making the trigger rosters that you mentioned it has been playing overseas for some time now so yeah. several i mean obviously it's the united states that's being represented um yeah. but it's countries all over europe and and asia i'm assuming yeah. that yeah. you know are making up the the roster which is cool americans yeah. who play over there for the professional seasons that are making up yeah. the roster i should clarify yes, sure. <laughs> we on, don't outsource me... our national team <laughs> no that's not allowed hold on let right. me mute you real fast to yell at him <laughs> okay okay <laughs> okay so the last thing that i kind of want to talk about and well i lied two things so one thing is the um your your partnership with mizuno that mm -hmm. has come, uh, is it fair to say that has come as a result of your involvement with the national team? Yeah, probably. And, and playing overseas? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that, how did that come about? And then I'm going to leave it open for you. Any, any advice you have for um, either HG, future HGTVers or, <laughs> um, you know, for, for people who are about to graduate, student athletes who are about to graduate and hopefully try and, and uh, head overseas and, and play as well. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay. So what do you want me to start with? Which one? It's up to you. Okay. Um, advice I would have would be stick with it because it is a long road. And like what you said was, I mean, it's more than just coming together every four years and playing. Like they look at your work for professional seasons. They look at everything. So even if you don't want to be with the national team, I think you just have to be prepared and mentally prepared to start your career completely over. Like they don't care that you're Taylor Onion from Illinois and you went to the national championship and were an amazing player. They, they don't even know what Illinois is. Like it's just a completely different entity. I mean, they know that you play volleyball and they know that you played in college that's about it like they don't know a lot more than that so just being prepared to start completely over and start at square one and prove yourself you have to prove yourself to every team every country that you go to like each place is a new beginning so I think yeah. really sticking with it and like working hard and wanting to better yourself each day it's really hard it's a grind but it's also it's worth it because it's such an amazing experience to be living in Europe or Asia or wherever you are. Right. So, yeah. I think the, um, the, the phrase emotional whiplash that you used earlier is a great way to describe really even, I mean, graduating from college and trying to get into the quote unquote real world, you're going to hit emotional whiplash if you were, well, whether you were a regular student or whether you were a student athlete. So I think that's a good way to kind of put it is to, if you can get your mindset right and knowing that it's going to be culture shock in a variety of different ways, that's going yeah. to help to, to reduce that emotional whiplash. Yeah, for sure. Not even if you're volleyball, just like what you said, like a real job, like yeah. leaving college is a scary experience and for most people you're out on your own and not living with your families or your friends anymore so I think just being prepared and knowing that it's like normal to not feel okay too like and to be sad about leaving family and missing how many other weddings or family events or parties that you miss like it's worth it <laughs> right you gotta be okay with kind of getting in your feelings and and yeah. being sad about an ending but then yeah you know, resetting for, for the new beginnings. Yeah. Very true. That's good advice, Borchi. <laughs> um, okay. So then let's wrap up by talking about Mizuno and kind of what you're doing yeah. with them and, and how that came to be. Yeah. Um, Mizuno reached out to me. I have worn their shoes even in college when I wasn't allowed to, we snipped off the Mizuno labels mm -hmm. and I've always had like pretty sensitive feet and 
Mizuno shoes are just kind of the only things that I can play in. And I've worn them throughout my professional seasons, throughout national team, even if they're mad at me for wearing them, like I, I have to wear them. And I just think it was a really good fit. Like I had reached out maybe once or twice and hadn't gotten a huge response back from Mizuno, maybe a few years ago. And recently I reached out and they're like, okay, maybe we can put you in contact with someone. And I was like, okay, I don't know what this is about. Like, and it's not like it wasn't easy either, but the girl who I work with, her name is Shelby and she works for Mizuno Volleyball and she's great and she's amazing at her job. And she's, they're doing like a lot of these really cool, and I'm so sad for them because they were doing all these really cool stories and projects and like really inspirational things for girls. And a lot, a lot of those have been canceled because of coronavirus. So oh, my doorbell is going to ring because I'm getting acai delivered. Ah, big day. So, yeah, home home big renovations, day. acai bowls. Champel Park. <laughs> Champy. It's okay. <laughs> but um yeah, so it it's so sad. They're doing a lot of like really cool stories. Um there's a lot of um Victoria Gadwick. I'm probably butchering her name, but she played for US USC and she's doing a lot of really cool body positivity stuff and she's working with Mizuno and there's a country singer, uh Julia Cole, who's working for Mizuno. And um, April Ross is a beach player. She's working for Mizuno. So they were doing, like, in um, me and then another beach volleyball player, there's only a few of us that are sponsored by them. But they're really good at, like, putting us, like, up into the spotlight, which I just think is really cool. And it's really cool for me. And they were going to do, like, this big thing with juniors and, like, give us all, like, a locker, like, an inspirational locker and have – a Mizuno party and have all of us like share our own stories there and just they were doing a lot of really cool things of like also transitioning because there are so many people in the country that play like juniors volleyball that don't go to college or don't go professional or just go to college and they're doing a lot of like transitional work of like okay after volleyball what am I going to do and I think that and like the same with like Julia Cole and Victoria and all them like there's life after volleyball and they're like highlighting all these stories about that and I think that's really cool and really relatable to me and I feel deeply about I think at Illinois Kevin was always like okay volleyball is a really cool sport and like you're able to do so many things with the sport but like when you're not playing anymore what are you going to do and I think Kevin was really good with that for us. And I think it's something really cool that Mizuno could do and could touch like a lot of girls in juniors volleyball because I don't know the statistics, but USA Volleyball like is in charge of all those juniors tournaments. And there's thousands and thousands of girls who play juniors and they play through high school and then they're done playing. And a lot of them are lost a little bit. So I think the work that they're doing is really cool and they're really supportive in everything that I'm doing. And they're like, of course it has like the cool, like aspects to it of, I can get pretty much any volleyball gear that I want, they can send to me. And my whole career, the past 10 years, I've paid for every single gear that I've had, which isn't the case for a lot of uh, USA national team girls who, get a lot of stuff for free especially if they go to the olympics but for me like it's cool. when they sent me my first box of shoes i was like oh yes like i've waited forever for this right. <laughs> that's awesome well it sounds like they're doing a ton of cool stuff and we'll we'll wait for the world to uh get off of pause to to see more of those collaborations that'll be awesome yeah it's really cool and i know like Mizuno isn't super like trendy in the volleyball world or even like in sports or just apparel but like the things that they're doing is really special and I think it is it makes a big difference just because 
they're this huge like a brand that I won't say but they're these huge brands that are super trendy and people want to wear their stuff but like they're doing good things and to me that's really important yeah equally as cool yeah totally agreed well Barchi this is this is shaping up to be the longest episode of the bloom pod ever which <laughs> oh, is no. great no it's a good thing that's a good thing um, okay. But it also doesn't say very much because this is only the second episode that's being recorded. So maybe the future episodes will also be will We're also be the standard. Long. Yeah, there you go. Um, but thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, episode two will be will be fantastic, and it'll be awesome for people to hear about the the life and times of uh, of a USAV national team member and and a pro volleyballer who's been at it for a few years now. So appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Stay tuned for more Bloompod. Indubitably. <laughs> Here we are again. Um, I, before we jump into our, our rehash of uh, my, my interview with Barchi, you have been just very busy while we were listening to that playback, peeling eggs. And I have to know, what are the eggs for? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, um, last night I had chocolate chip cookies for dinner, and I thought maybe it was time that I start doing more healthy things for my body. And um, I'm going to make an egg salad Okay, to eat on a bed of lettuce. So, <laughs> on a bed of lettuce. Now I've it. got some peeled eggs ready be chopped and mixed up they look delightful well done i'll say i don't i don't know the last time i hard boiled eggs and some of them came out a bit chunky they're watching the video they are a little misshapen i've been craving some devil eggs which i've never made before ah now there's a good one in there too yeah that is a good looking egg hey stop you're making me blush Oh man. <laughs> well, what uh what do you think initial thoughts of the playback? That was your first time hearing it obviously. Yeah, I mean, I've got so many thoughts. Um most first and foremost, I really enjoyed hearing her story about like her struggle from um transitioning from uh, college to athletics because from my perspective, I got to see how good a player she is. I got to watch her play at Illinois and just know how talented she is. And then what I've seen of her professional career has been like what I've seen on social media. Um, and from my view of it, it it's always looked like she's just been like thriving and successful from the get-go. So hearing her story about like the struggles and the, how hard she had to work to really prove herself in professional volleyball, it's really cool. And um, I didn't realize that she had gone through all of that. Yeah, I think Barchi is also the type to, she's like, she's a a silent grinder is the way I would describe her, where if she's, if she's struggling, you would never know. And there were times, I mean, even in college, there were times as a team where, you know, we'd be having team meetings and we're trying to to work through stuff. And there were, um, uh, just from a vulnerability standpoint, I think she's one who wants to kind of take the brunt of the, the problem or the issue. And it's just like, I'll figure it out on my own. Like, I don't need your help. And so I think that's kind of how she's operated through you know, her professional career too, which she's one of the toughest people I know. And obviously to move across the country, uh, A, right after you got engaged and to be so far away from family and friends every single year, you know, day in and day out that you've got to have a real passion for what you're doing. And I think it shows in in how she's uh, in, in everything that she's achieved, really. Yeah, agreed. And something about her character, like she is the most like calm, kind human that like has this fire in her that you would never expect and she just like like you said she grinds but if you were to meet her on the street or at a grocery store in Italy or you know something of that sort like she's just like friendly wonderful just so like mild-mannered that like it's fun to see her fiery side come out and like when you're watching her play it's like a different different version yeah, for sure. Um, a good example of her calm, cool, collected personality, which we didn't actually talk about at all, 
we touched on the engagement, but we did not talk about Barchi and Corb's wedding ah, in 2013, yes. which which you were at as well. I was in the wedding party. Uh, and that is what I like to refer to as the great flood of 2013. Very memorable. Very <laughs> soggy. Very fun. That's the three... Three ways I would describe that wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Three ways. I love it. The the thing that stands out most to me about that wedding, and I can remember we were we were on a blue couch in the middle of like an open field taking our last um, photos of the like of the day, or right before we were getting ready to like go back and just kind of hang out before the ceremony. And somebody, one of our other teammates who was driving in had texted the group and was like, uh, is it raining there? And we were like, no, it's like, it was so sunny that we were contemplating as a bridal party going out to buy sunglasses. And so someone texted that and we were like, no, what are you talking about? And then about 10 minutes later, this giant shelf cloud rolls in and it's just pitch black. And it, I mean, torrential downpour to the point that, so that they ended up getting married in the reception tent and the chandeliers were shaking. Of course, the tent is being held up by metal poles. Uh, and the, the, the ring bearer and the flower girls are screaming as they're like walking down the aisle. I mean, they were, they were bawling their eyes out. Um, long story short, the tent flooded. Barchi and Corbin got married on top of chairs. And we held, the bridesmaids held Barchi's dress uh, as they I sat there. would like to interject <laughs> on this part. Um, <laughs> I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> I was sitting pretty close to the front. Um, right behind where the bridesmaids are sitting. And Taylor, oh, so kindly was contributing to lifting uh, Barchi's dress up so that it would not get wet. What she did not realize was that she was holding it so high over her own head that um, Barchi's underwear and butt could be seen by the audience. If if, if memory serves, she was wearing spandex, so not anything, I mean, volleyball spandex. It wasn't too revealing, but like, you know, for like photos and video, (laughs) not ideal. Um, I don't don't think there is a a frantic wave down of Taylor, like, (laughs) put it down, put it down. (laughs) (laughs) My bad, Barchi. I don't even know if she knows that. People probably never told her that. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! I think we're the only table sitting right behind where you were holding it up but um yeah it was a it was a show right my bad well (laughs) (laughs) they got buried on the chairs and then the other thing that stands out to me in my mind is so we actually the whole the whole wedding party had to move up to that building that just happened to be open on the same kind of area it was at a winery so it was like indoors whatever we moved but the thing that stands out most to me as they were trying to figure out how to get everything from that reception tent into, you know, the essentials that we needed to kind of make it feel still like their wedding reception and the style that they wanted uh, was all of the volleyball, the Illinois volleyball moms sprung into action. And they were like, you get the cupcakes, we'll get the signs. Let's everybody put this in the back of your cup. I mean, they were, it was unbelievable. That's, that is, when I tell the story about Barchi's wedding, that's what I tell every single time because it was awesome. Yeah. And all the dads had their pants rolled up and were just trudging through. Like, we're, we're not talking a little bit of water. It was like above our ankles. Yep. Potential for, you know, electric, electrocution. I actually, right. I do remember I helped the DJ guy mid ceremony unplug and like, pick up all his equipment to get it off it was sitting on the ground I noticed he had like cords sitting on the ground and water rushing towards it and I ran over there and we were like throwing things together getting things up off the ground is crazy yes what a time and it does not see I mean that'll be seven years ago this summer this June that's insane to me yeah which is also as long ironically as Barchi mentioned that she's been trying to make the um, you know, the Olympic team and the trigger rosters that she was talking about with USAV, that that now will have been seven years of her, you know, trying to get up on some of those higher rosters, which in the last couple of years, I mean, she said the past two summers have been just massive for her in terms of kind of the output that she's had. But I didn't realize, or maybe I just didn't think that, you know, we're as old as we actually are. But for her to put it into perspective like that and talking about, you know, the the delay now at the Olympic Games being pushed back to 2021 uh, and it being seven years of, of, you know, trying to fulfill that dream and really longer than that because she's been playing volleyball longer than that. And, you know, the Olympic dream doesn't start when you graduate college, that, that is, you know, instilled way before that. So I thought that was cool too. 
Yeah, absolutely. She has been grinding and working for this dream for so long. Super impressive. Yeah, for a very, very long time. I did um, also appreciated her toward, it was toward the end of of our interview and toward the end of the episode saying, hang on, I'm going to mute you so I can yell at Corbin. And right before (laughs) that is when you kind of start to hear the, like, the knocking of the, of the sledgehammer, which was pretty funny. I'll be eager to see, you know, how it all turns out. I think they're renovating um, their downstairs bathroom, but the, the kitchen and everything that they've done so far is unbelievable. I mean, it's amazing. I, first of all, I want to see it, the before and after. And second of all, if they were to start a home renovation show, I would like to just put this out into the universe that my sidekick abilities translate from podcasting into HGTV shows, I assume. Uh, I, I would think. I think you're probably right. Um, what do you, if you were to name a volleyball themed HGTV show, what would it be called? Um, uh, <laughs> my, put my the first, hammer on it. <laughs> my, my first thought was digging it up. I like that. I think it probably is a better name for a plumbing show, but that's all right. And probably a smaller viewer base. <laughs> <laughs> probably a very small viewer base where we just watch Barchi practice and then we watch Corbin use his new sledgehammer. <laughs> is is put the hammer on it a thing that they say in volleyball or is that something that I no, that is, should start today? <laughs> that is something that you, something new that you are bringing to the table right now. <laughs> I feel like it's fitting though. Like you go up to hit it, put the hammer on it. it sounds like something that dave lone might have said our announcer in college who used the i mean he would say you know she used that black like a kitchen appliance or he would say he would always say spank you very much which i think is in line with put the hammer on it yeah i i want to say that if i got that from anyone it was probably dave lone (laughs) or something i came up with on my own which dave lone would be actually an epic guest for the podcast i might have to add him to my short list he might i hate saying this but he might be a better hgtv show sidekick than i would but don't don't actually tell barchi i said that because i want to still be in the running (laughs) true very true oh man overall i mean a good episode obviously that's going to shape up to be the longest one so far which again uh we're only on episode two but i think a lot of really cool information i loved um and we talked about this at the beginning of our of our chat right now but i really loved what she shared about the emotional whiplash um, and kind of just the struggle from college into the pro circuit. And then really even from, you know, playing in Puerto Rico, going back to coaching and then back into kind of fighting her way into the, the pro circuit that's overseas in Europe. Um, and I think the, the emotional whiplash is such a good way to encapsulate everything that you feel when you are graduating college, you're stepping away from your friends, you are stepping away from, you know, everything essentially that you've known and, and kind of built uh, as a life for the last four or five, sometimes six years, depending on who you are. Um, but it, that, that is what it feels like because you're, you know, you're ready and you're excited for the future. And then you're like, whoa, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And then you're like, okay, maybe I can do this. And then, whoa, there's the next setback. So I think it's, I mean, just a good, a good, um, uh analogy that's the word i'm looking for yeah i like that emotional whiplash um i want to ask you because i think that you and barchi are both super fortunate to in your own athletic careers have influences like kevin hambly and Niff and like all the different people that you've worked with at illinois and outside of illinois i feel like did a good job which is not necessarily normal in athletics to prepare you guys for life after college or life after athletics. Um, and I feel like this, it kind of pushed you to the career that you're in now working with athletes. And I know that you love the like real life um, preparation stuff that you do with them. So like, how do you think that um, those people have influenced you in your career and how do you use that to translate uh, to the athletes that you work with? Yeah, I think, I mean, gosh, we were, we were very, very, very fortunate and very blessed at Illinois to have the lineup of coaches and assistant coaches and support staff that we did. Um, For me specifically, the, 
the kind of culture that that Kevin created with us, you know, coming together and and being in team meetings and creating the core values and creating these kind of different words that resonated with us each year and and really putting the um, the the onus on us as a team to create what we felt like should be the culture. So it was a very player driven culture and we all were, you know, much more invested than we might've been if he said, Hey, this is who we are as a program. Um, he gave us the opportunity to build and create that every single year, which is awesome. Um, and I think it's super important for, for people to understand, um, that aspect of it and understand how important it is for, uh, you know, for student athletes to feel like they have a vested interest in the program. And I think our assistant coaches over the years did an awesome job with that as well, you know, from um, Flynn and from NIF and from Kent and Dan Connors and some of these other, other folks that had an opportunity to be involved with the program as well. We had, I mean, an unbelievable lineup. Um, and from a support staff standpoint, um, Kathy Kaler was our number one fan and our number one resource as, as student athletes. And I still to this day, I reach out to her and, and kind of pick her brain and ask for different things. She actually was one of the letters of recommendation for my doctoral program. So, um, you know, the resources that we had and really for all student athletes, the resources that are in the buildings that they're in are, you know, those things you can't, um, you can't put a price tag on any of that stuff because you'll use them, you know, those, those connections and that network, you use that stuff for the rest of your life. And so for me, those lessons that I learned through my involvement with the Illinois volleyball program and through my interactions with every single support staff member, whether it was somebody who was directly involved with the program or whether it was, you know, an outside group, like the networkers um, who did such a great job of, of supporting us and the spike squad, the same thing, such a great job of, of supporting us. Um, I, for me, the biggest thing through that experience was learning how to develop relationships. And that really is all that I'm doing now still in, in the job that I'm in. Uh, and working with with student athletes, so I, I think I, I mean, for any job that you have, relationships are important, and you can attest to that as well. In, in the things that you're doing with the generous coffee shop, um, but I think that's the biggest thing, right? Like at the end of the day, we're all people, and we all just want to, you know, feel loved and and um, feel supported in what we're doing, and and that's what I hope to provide in my everyday job, but also um, I think being able to, to tell those stories here is kind of another space to, you know, fill people in on that. Yeah, wonderful. Oh, show. Well, Melissa, what other thoughts have you, or do you have any more? Oh, I've got thoughts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can go into detail on so many things that she said, the craziness of being in Istanbul and getting out right before travel is shut down and the idea of having to travel on a military plane is just like amidst all this craziness it just reminded me that like yeah we're all affected in some way and it's hard to fathom like how this whole like global crisis has touched and uh, impacted so many different people like and that would have never crossed my mind um but just glad that they're home and safe and can be together and have this chapter to you know at least maybe be a little more relaxed right hopefully they are giving in some uh some relaxation time outside of the sledgehammering time perhaps yes. <laughs> that's going on <laughs> oh man well that was that was a super cool interview and i'm so glad borchi was was willing to be a part of it i'm glad we got the chance to go back and and kind of rehash and also uh touch on the great flood of 2013 oh, which yes. i totally forgot to to bring up when i was talking to borchi um well yeah overall great stuff makes me excited to to keep keep this podcast rolling and and get guest three on here that was very midwestern of you say podcast again podcast <laughs> i did it better that time <laughs> you'll hear it on um, the playback um, right. <laughs> no but i mean how awesome of a person is archie like what a special guest to have on here and we're just really thankful that she took the time to share her story with you and with everyone listening because she just is one of those people that is wonderful like all around good person you meet her once and it's like she just treats you like you've been friends forever yep gotta love Barty. a great lady another that's that's Indeed. two great ladies in a row that i've now had on the show so bravo oh, <laughs> 
All right. Well, um, again, Michelle Barch Hackley, our, our second guest here on uh, the Bloom Pod. Excited to get this this up and rolling and, and um, excited to have folks listen to this. And it'll be on, uh, well, you already know because you're listening to it. But the next one <laughs> will also be on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Anchor. So stay tuned and, and uh, stick with us as we, as we keep bringing more folks on. I think we need a better way to sign off. What, what's a fun little like, and that's the way the cookie crumbles, you know? Is that how you want to do it? And that's and the that's way the, the onion peels. Onion pe- that's what I was hey. going to say. <laughs> Is that, do you want to use that voice? I think you should do it. <laughs> I can do that. All right. <laughs> Episode two. And that's the way the onion peels. <laughs> I love this sign off. Mm-hmm.